Record 5 of We by Evgeny Zemyatin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Square, the Rulers of the World, an Agreeable and Useful Function. Again with you, my unknown reader, I talk to you as though you were, let us say, my old comrade R13, the poet with the lips of a Negro. Well, everyone knows him, yet you are somewhere on the moon, or on Venus, or on Mars. Who knows you? Where and who are you? Imagine a square, a living, beautiful square. Imagine that the square is obliged to tell you about itself, about its life. You realize that this square would hardly think it necessary to mention the fact that all its four angles are equal. It knows this all too well. This is such an ordinary, obvious thing. I am in exactly the same square position. Take the pink checks, for instance, and all that goes with them. For me, they are as natural as the equality of the four angles of the square. But for you, they are perhaps more mysterious and hard to understand than the binome of Newton. Let me explain. An ancient sage once said a clever thing, accidentally, beyond doubt. He said, love and hunger rule the world. Consequently, to dominate the world, man had to win a victory over hunger after paying a very high price. I refer to the great 200 years war the war between the city and the land. Probably on account of religious prejudices, the primitive peasants stubbornly held on to their bread. Footnote. This word came down to us for use only as a poetic form, for the chemical constitution of this substance is unknown to us. End of footnote. In the 35th year before the foundation of the United States, our contemporary petroleum food was invented. True, only about two-tenths of the population of the globe did not die out, but how beautifully shining the face of the earth when it became cleared of its impurities. Accordingly, the two-tenths which survived have enjoyed the greatest happiness in the bosom of the United States. But is it not clear that supreme bliss and envy are only the numerator and the denominator, respectively, of the same fraction, happiness? What sense would the innumerable sacrifices of the 200 years' war have for us if a reason were left in our life for jealousy? Yet such a reason persisted because there remained button-like noses and classical noses. C.F., our conversation during the promenade, for there were some whose love was sought by everyone and others whose love was sought by no one. Naturally, having conquered hunger, that is, algebraically speaking, having achieved the total of bodily welfare, the United States directed its attack against the second ruler of the world, against love. At last, this element also was conquered, that is organized and put into a mathematical formula. It is already 300 years since our great historic lex sexualis was promulgated. A number may obtain a license to use any other number as a sexual product. The rest is only a matter of technique. You are carefully examined in the laboratory of the sexual department where they find the content of the sexual hormones in your blood, and they make out for you accordingly a table of sexual days. Then you fill out an application to enjoy the services of number so-and-so or numbers so-and-so. You get for that purpose a checkbook pink. That is all. It is clear that under such circumstances there is no more a reason for envy or jealousy. The denominator of the fraction of happiness is reduced to zero, and the whole fraction is thus converted into a magnificent infiniteness. The thing which for the ancients, the source of innumerable stupid tragedies, has been converted in our time into an harmonious, agreeable, and useful function of the organism, a function like sleep like physical labor, the taking of food, digestion, etc., etc. 
hence you see how the great power of logic purifies everything it happens to touch. Oh, if only you unknown readers can conceive this divine power. If only you will learn to follow it to the end. It is very strange. While I was writing today of the loftiest summit of human history, all the while I breathed the purest mountain air of thought. But within me it was and remains cloudy, cobwebby, and there is a kind of cross-like forepawed X. Or perhaps it is my paws, and I feel like that only because they are always before my eyes, my hairy paws. I don't like to talk about them. I dislike them. They are a trace of a primitive epoch. Is it possible that there is a me? I wanted to strike out all this because it trespasses on the limits of my synopsis. But then I decided, no, I shall not. Let this diary give the curve of the most imperceptible vibrations of my brain, like a precise seismograph, for at times such vibrations serve as forewarnings. Certainly this is absurd. This certainly should be stricken out. We have conquered all the elements. Catastrophes are not possible any more. Now everything is clear to me. The peculiar feeling inside is a result of that very same square situation of which I spoke in the beginning. There is no X in me. There can be none. I am simply afraid lest some X will be left in you, my unknown readers. I believe you will understand that it is harder for me to write than it ever was for any author throughout human history. Some of them wrote for contemporaries, some for the future generations, but none of them ever wrote for their ancestors or beings like their primitive, distant ancestors. End of Record 5